The content in this program is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or other material as investment, financial, tax, or other advice. The views expressed by the participants are solely their own. A participant may have taken or recommended any investment position discussed, but may close such position or alter its recommendation at any time without notice. Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don't forget to follow at Lead Lag Report on Twitter to join these conversations live. And check out the Lead Lag Report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code PODCAST30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets. And now, on to our Lead Lag Live discussion, hosted by Michael Guyon. My name is Michael Guyad, publisher of the Lead Lag Report. Joining me for the hour, Tommy Thornton. Uh, he's got a fantastic following, fantastic research as well. Uh, Tommy, for those who are not familiar with who you are, your work, just set the stage for the audience as far as your background, your analytical skill set, and what you do with hedge fund telemetry. Okay, well, thank you, Michael, for having me on uh, again. And uh, good afternoon to everyone. I hope everybody's having a very nice weekend. The markets are closed, so we can all relax and enjoy what's really most important, which is basically the weekends with family, with friends, uh, looking past some of the carnage of what's been happening in the last, well, <laughs> this year. Um, my background, I live in Greenwich, Connecticut. I am formerly a well, I was a senior trader and a portfolio manager at a hedge fund. It was a $5 billion hedge fund. Um, uh, had a great run until it ended, which that's a whole nother fun story that I'm not going to get into. Uh, I left the fund and did a couple other things. I ran a family office uh, for the founder of our fund. I helped raise $50 million for Alibaba when it was a pre-IPO. Uh, position. It worked pretty well, as you can imagine. And I had the idea back in 2012 of putting out my research that I did through internally at our old fund. And I'm, I'm a technical analyst. I am a sentiment specialist because at my firm, my past firm, uh, I was tasked with talking to all the different sentiment pull people from Ned Davis to the market vein to daily sentiment index with Jake Bernstein. And I became very familiar with all of that. And I figured, you know, it'd be cool to put it out uh, to a select amount of people. I had some hedge fund friends and I started doing that. And then it became a thing. And it started in, I think it was 2016. I, st I started putting it out to about 25 pretty well-known uh, managers. Uh, they varied from mutual funds to hedge funds to, I, I even had some pension managers and I was having a good time doing it. I really, the, the main thing is I really enjoy doing the research. I find it to be such a challenge to find ideas, to find themes, 
to see overbought and oversold type conditions in markets in different markets. I'm not, I mean, I, my, my main focus is us equities, uh, but I do have a macro focus and I look top down at, you know, bonds, currencies, commodities, and I look at how everything comes together. I try to pull it together. Um, and what happened in 2017 is I, I, put out on Twitter, uh, one of my old traders, Keith, um, fantastic financials trader, he said, dude, you should just put this out there on Twitter because it's really good and you might get people that would be interested. So I did that. And within like two days, I had 3000 people that DM'd me and I hit my friend that helped me with a website for another business. And I said, look, I got a problem here. And he said, okay, I'm going to solve it. So we just started building this thing. I had no idea where it was going to go. Uh, now I have a, a pretty good following, a great business. Uh, I put out three notes a day. The first one is just basically I, sum- I get summaries from uh, Street Account, from Vital um, uh, Intelligence, Bloomberg. I, I basically get everybody up to speed what's happening pre-market. I show pre-market quotes and other good stuff, charts of different things. Uh, I then put out a mid morning note at 1030. And then a little later, I put out a daily note that has a little bit more narrative and more good stuff. I do specialize with DeMarc analytics. I've been a user of DeMarc um, uh, indicators since 2000, 2000. That's correct. And I have found them to be very useful for my trading and my trading can vary from sometimes short term to intermediate term i don't really have a good edge on long term which i don't think many people do at this point so that's what i do and i come in every day trying to bang it out and keep things moving in the positive direction all right so you use the uh the word cartridge which i think is a very appropriate term in the sense that uh, and I've been banging this tape this this for a while here this idea that this has been a hellish year and in many ways worse I would argue than 2020 and 2008 in the sense that you don't have sort of these classic inverse correlations kicking in except maybe recently with treasuries when equities get volatile right and that's that's been a lot of the hell that I keep referencing on Twitter and in my own media appearances that proven historical notion that treasuries tend to act as the counter asset when equities get volatile and you have a correction. So you had this horrendous uh, carnage in the bond market and a lot of carnage underneath the surface uh, for stocks really going back to, to February of last year. Now, I saw a tweet that you put out. You said signs of capitulation. And the term capitulation is an interesting one because that would suggest, obviously, that people are surrendering and that's the low, right? It's the abject fear. Um, talk about if you think we're really at that point, what are signs of sort of traditional capitulation and why might we be at, or maybe not at that point now? Well, when I wrote, when I put that tweet out, it was early yesterday morning and that's been the big thing. We have a lot of stuff that I can, the technical stuff that I look at a lot of internal indicators that have been on the flat line for quite a while. You know, it's very simple to look at the percentage of stocks above the 50-day moving average or the 20-day moving average. And and they've been just dreadful, especially in the NASDAQ composite. It's just been horrendous. And it's been bad even when we were at all-time highs. 
because you had the mega cap stocks, you know, holding up the indices. And now you've, you've seen most of them, you know, fall apart. And that's usually what happens towards the lows of, of, in the markets. Yeah. The market, the equity market really, let's go back a bit. The equity market went up way, way too much. And the equity market had leadership coming from some really garbagey type companies that went up. I mean, you had Carvana near 400 and it's $33 now. Uh, you had these meme stocks going ballistic and they've all come back down to earth and reality set in Tesla is basically half off of where it was at the highs. It's a big market cap loss as well. You know, in a bear market, a true, true bear market, there's no place to hide. There's no easy place to hide. You can hide in cash. Obviously that's the, the easiest and simplest and safest place. Uh, you don't get any return when there's inflation. Uh, the bond market, when the bond market goes into a bear market, and that's something we haven't seen, well, the, the bond market's in a bear market, and we haven't seen that in our careers. I remember I was in, in 1994, the bond market fell apart, and it was sort of a mini bear market. But this is something entirely different, especially with the amount of capital that's in the credit markets, the sovereign debt markets. It's just it's unbelievable the amount of carnage that that we've seen. The other thing that's been, in my opinion, the most reckless central bank um, uh, policy was the negative interest rate uh, policies in Asia and in Europe. And to think that we had at one point eighteen well, there was not us, but there was eighteen trillion dollars worth of negative interest uh, yielding debt in the world. And now we're at 2.6 trillion. Uh, That is just obscene. How much, when you think of the carnage of people that have fund managers that bought negative interest yielding debt. And I, I, I had a conversation with the head of Blackstone's global allocation years ago. And I said, why are your managers allocating money towards negative yielding debt? He said, because they see the prices continuing to go even lower. And that to me was just a sign of this is flat out crazy. Cause now those, those holders and there's a lot, and especially in Europe and well, Asia too, but they, they are now holding debt um, at a negative carry and they're paying the coupons. That is just to me, the ultimate in, the the worst policy ever. So we have this a lot of stuff that's happening. It's not over. This is not a bear market um that's going to be a two-quarter bear market. This is going to be a longer-term bear market. And I hate to say that because it sounds like oh well you can't make any money, but I absolutely love this type of market. I love volatility. I love catching uh bounces uh because one of the things that's nice for me is I have my market sentiment stuff go up to the, you know, the, the there were the highs and now it's at the lows and you get these bounces. And the DeMarc indicators have been absolutely fabulous because at the highs at the end of the year, all I had was sell signals and everybody thought I was a complete idiot. Like, what the hell are you thinking? Uh, but as you see, you see, that's what happened. And now we have the opposite. Bullish sentiment on the S&P hit 9% bulls on the daily sentiment index recently. 
Um, it bounced off that level. Of, I think it was a week ago. I thought we were going to, I was set up pretty long. I thought we were going to have about eh, maybe 10 day, maybe two week, uh, you know, a two week type move. Uh, it lasted four days and that was it. I had to pivot real quick and say, oh God, Target, the market hates this type of stuff. And I knew they were going to punish the market. I got out of a lot of stuff, captured some some profits, less profits than I hoped. But we're in these this type of environment. And I've said it, I think when we first spoke earlier in the year, it's a tactical market. It's not one for anybody to get long conviction in anything. And I, I'm just I'm just banging around things that and the other thing is I'm I'm trying to trade higher quality in this environment. And I recommend people if you're looking to add longer term positions, add top quality, upgrade your portfolio. You can get a bigger run in something that is is more speculative, but I'm bought, like I was buying Amazon recently. I bought Target on Friday. Um, I you know I just I feel like some of this stuff is washed out, and um, it, of course it could if it goes if it goes lower, I'll stop myself out. But it is a tactical market. You can profit in tactical markets. Now, the, the weird thing is, and, and I was looking at my stats for this year, I've traded a hundred, well, 255 trades this year, and I've had a hundred, hundred short ideas and 155 long ideas. Now it's a bear market. I have notably more longs than shorts. And that was different from last year. So, so I'm, I don't know what I'm thinking. Um, but I'm just finding more long ideas that that are tradable opportunities. It's hard to short down here, and I think it's it's foolish to be trying to press at at these levels, especially with um, short interest is is rising. Uh, you have extreme put buying that I'm I'm noticing. I mean, those are some of the capitulation type things I've I've seen high put uh, high put buying, and you know the the people on CNBC will tell you oh. You know, oh, we're seeing the smart money buying calls or the smart money's buying puts. I mean, you don't do that. That's not the smart money. You fade those people. And that over and over is the right way to trade the market. So I use a lot of different non-correlated type of indicators and I add it up. And and, and one thing I've I've said to people about hedge funds, it's like sausage making. You know, you really don't want to see how it's made. You like the taste of it, um, but you don't want to see how it's made. Um, and you like the performance of a hedge fund, the one that hedges and performs, uh, but you don't want to necessarily see how it's made. You make, you'll make a lot of mistakes in this type of market. And I'm very cognizant of making mistakes. I'll sell too early. I'll, I'll buy something. I'll have to stop out or I'll short something. I'll have to stop out. Um, it's just about managing risk. We'll be back after a quick break. Hello, listeners. Michael Guyad here from Lead Lag Live. Are you ready to take a deep dive into market trends, risk management, and investment strategies? Then you need the Lead Lag Report. Our in-depth analysis helps you understand the financial markets like never before. And guess what? We're giving you a chance to experience it at a discounted rate. Visit theleadlag.report slash leadlaglive and get an exclusive 30% off on your subscription. Don't miss out. Level up your investment game with the lead lag report. And now, back to our discussion. 
Yeah, and and by the way, on that point, that may be also why treasuries might be a better way of betting against the market now, aside from the fact that two weeks ago, the risk-on, risk-off behavior seemed to kind of come back after this unrelenting correlation between rising yields and and stock market volatility. But um, And that's a key part of what I do and a lot of the research I've put out there, that usually if you want to bet against the market, it's less about making a short because a short bet because there's false signals there. But treasuries tend to be sort of your your better way of playing a, a bearish view in equities because at least treasuries allow you to be wrong and still make money. Obviously not this year, right? But at least so far. So first of all, I was seeing sign like I thought we were going to get a bit deeper on a few of the indicators that I look at. And I had a few of my friends, uh, Andrew Thrasher, who I think is the, does fantastic work. He's a great technician. He said, I'm not seeing the signs. And it wasn't enough, but I started to think that, and I started, I started talking to some, um, I was talking to some sell side, uh, institutional traders and they were like, yeah, we're starting to see some people getting a little nervous here and panicky. And that was one thing I, you know, I like to see real high, uh, you know, the put call ratio go, go up pretty high. And I use a, like a five day moving average or seven day moving average of the equity put call ratio and it's getting up there it's not at the peak where we were in 2020 but or 2018 at the lows but it's at levels where historically it, it gets it gets toppy um you know i i also thought maybe we won't have a true capitulation like like the shorter term type moves like like march of 2020 or or december of 18 those were you know really solid uptrend you know v bottom type things you know with one quarter so i think that we also have another dynamic is that you're starting to see margins uh compress and you're seeing that due to inflation due to you know the tons of different labor uh costs the input costs of, of materials uh, the shipping costs, everything is is really starting to hit earnings, and we, you know, the market sort of woke up like, "Whoa, Target! Hi, what what happened there?" But I think we're, as far as a longer term bear market, I, I think we just haven't seen some of the, the, maybe we just won't see improvement. Now, maybe the Fed, you know, the Fed hasn't started QT. We don't know the effects of how that's going to be. That starts in a week. Uh, I think the market, though we'll start to get used to bad news or get used to the thought of 50 basis points hike and any sort of deviation from that. We, I, I forget which fed had said, you know, maybe later, I think it was Evan said maybe after two fifties, we're going to start to go at 25. The market will probably like that and think, okay, you know, they're, they're moderating, you know, I, I don't, I think the big mistake the fed did was they over, they overdid it in 2020. We can all agree on that. And then the second was that they should have started earlier, smaller, and 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 just started to to take their. Um, they should have started uh, the QE ending and tapering a lot earlier, and even started uh, with twenty five basis points. If the market can't take, you know, the Fed funds rate at twenty five basis points and freaks out about that, I, I think we've got much deeper problems than that. Uh, uh, yeah, that's been a real um, 
you know, a lot of people are watching that and and hoping for some sort of big spike. And you know, the other thing is everything's been very orderly. This hasn't been a, a, a pullback of of like panic. It's just been very orderly. Everybody said that to me. Every every um, sell side person is saying, "Yeah, it's very orderly. It's, it doesn't seem as bad as if you look at the screen and your screen's all red." And and I think maybe there's um, you know there's some dynamic. With, well, but, but hold on, um, there's a distinction there, right? Because it's been orderly in the large cap, you know, passive averages, but. Again, beneath the surface, there's been some unbelievable devastation, as I know you've talked about too. Yeah, I mean, but even when you have, you know, Roblox down eight percent or Dollar General down, was it seven percent on Friday? Nobody was really. They're not really panicking. I mean, I, I don't. And I look, I don't watch CNBC, so I don't know if they're, you know, pulling the, you know, markets in turmoil yet. Or I know they did once, uh, but it seems very orderly. I think the target was a panic. I think that was a real shocker to the market. But you know how how could Walmart and Target, these fairly you know safe places, get absolutely hammered? I mean, Deer, where was Deer down? Some fifteen percent. I mean, that's just unreal to see something like that. But I think that's positioning as well. I think people are still positioned long in a lot of different things and they're getting surprised at the magnitude of the misses and that actually was very similar to the beginning of the end in 2000 and and you know we had already some you know some market slam already in the in the spring and then we've you know had some bounces and then in the third quarter the tech names started to miss i remember distinctly i was working for a hedge fund in Los Angeles and Nor- Nortel blew up the Nortel networks, which was the largest Canadian company at this, the time. It was like a Cisco. And that was like a shocker. And it really, mag- it was like, Oh my God, tech is going to blow up. And they were a big buyer of chips. And I remember sitting in a uh, investment committee meeting and, you know, th- nobody was really panicking at the time. What should we do with AMCC, you know, a semiconductor that's sold to Nortel? I don't know. I think we should just hold on and, and just wait it out. I mean, it went from like $90 to five. You know, that's what happened, you know, through the bear market. So I think we're, we may be historically in a place like that third quarter starting. Um, and there were bounces. There were, there were huge bounces in 2000. And a lot of people have shown the charts of previous bear markets where you have these you know, 10 spikes uh, going down, you know, the markets go down 75%, but you have like 10 spikes of 10% or more along the way. And I think that's the pattern that we're in right now. So I I agree that we're not there with all the things lining up for a capitulation. And maybe we'll get that capitulation in a quarter or uh, from now. I mean, there's still a lot of people that want to buy stocks. That's the thing. There's there's still a lot of capital uh, coming into the market. You see these incredible uh, inflows into ARC. I mean, I've had a lot of people say, "Well, when should we buy ARC?" What do you mean? When should we buy ARC? You know, this is a this is a fund under pressure. They're buying companies that don't make money. That's not that's not where you want to bottom fish. You want to bottom fish in good companies. You want to buy 
the, the Amazons that are down significantly and you know that their, their business is going to be, it's going to be there. I mean, they, they, that's the thing you, you've got to be cognizant that you, if you're going to buy anything, buy good quality. Um, and, and, and some that have already blown up. I mean, I'm long Apple. I'm not really thrilled about it. I was short and I bought it um, thinking that we were going to get this bounce, but I can live with that. I'm not going to panic over, you know, oh my God, I can't believe I bought Apple. It's, I'm not down that much. I bought NVIDIA. I was short all these things from the highs, but now I know what people are going to buy when the market does bounce. Uh, the, the problem, uh, if you were, if a multi-strat fund manager uh, or a mutual fund they are they see the roof collapsing on on bonds or equities um, they have to find liquidity to sell other things too they, they don't just oh we're going to move all of our money into gold or things like that they'll they'll sell anything that's not nailed down and that's been why you see the you know bitcoin getting hit you see gold you know well off the highs you know energy's been you know, exceptionally strong. And that's partly due to a lot of geopolitical issues, uh, supply issues. Uh, that's been, you know, it, it's a good place to, to, to be. I, I don't think we want to start allocating money to towards those places right now. Uh, you know, in a bear market, it's, it, it's a bear market. You can't hide. Uh, cash is great. You can sit tight in cash and you may not get a return, but you're, you're not going to lose anything. We'll be back after a quick break. Foodies unite with How You Dish. It's social media with a secret sauce. Food, the world's first network for food enthusiasts. How You Dish connects foodies across the world. Share kitchen tips and recipe hacks. Discover hidden gem food joints and street food. Find foodies like you. Connect, chat, and organize meetups. How You Dish makes it simple to connect through food anywhere in the world. So... How do you dish? Download How You Dish on the Apple App Store now. Correct. You're not going to lose anything, but of course, we all know you lose after inflation. I always have this kind of back and forth around cash as a, whether it's a residual or it should be treated as an investment, right? Because it's, you know, cash obviously doesn't allow you to have a chance at momentum, which we can talk about too. One thing that happens on Fridays, especially on expiration, well, every Friday is an expiration now, but on the third week expiration, uh, you see a lot of uh, VIX selling. And that those are dealers that are, let's say, changing their, their position uh, going into the weekend. And, and I, I used to remember, we used to call it, you know, um, Janet Yellen, when she was the Fed chairman, had the joystick and would just pound the VIX on Fridays and that would lift the market higher. So they, that was just, I think a positioning move. Um, I think there's also a lot of people that, that, you know, they see green or they see something moving and they're going to pile on as well. And that's, that's been the way the market was in the last couple of years. We've seen, um, you know, whatever, you know, newbie trader, and you see that couple that were on TikTok, and they said, you know, here's our strategy. We, we buy things that are go up, and then when it starts to crest, we sell it. And so anybody buying green, was that's what people do. And everybody's trying to catch a bottom. It's not as much as trying to catch a bottom as it used to be, but still, I think there's 
that action happening. And I, I do think it was just dealer positioning. You had a lot of people that are, that were out there saying that, you know, the bottom was going to drop out on, on expiration and it's going to be awful on Monday. It's hard to really make those predictions because, and especially dire predictions like that um, at Lowe's. I think this was just a matter of VIX positioning and dealers um, setting up for, for the next week. And, and that's, that's basically it. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm set up long and I was buying stuff um, into that, you know, the market was going up. So I, I, I have no complaints. And, and by the way, thank you for uh, being a subscriber. I don't know who you are, uh, but you can uh, send me an email and uh, I will send you a very thank you um, personally. So cool. Can we talk about uh, sentiment for a moment, Tommy? So you, you mentioned some numbers on sentiment and I don't know. It seems to me that sentiment is actually really hard to get a gauge of nowadays because if you use Twitter as your gauge for sentiment, we know the algorithm is going to throw things at you that may not be a true reflection of the quote unquote crowd. Um, so talk about how you look at sentiment. What are the measures that are more objective? And from your experience, at what point does sentiment really kind of tell you? I mean, obviously, obviously it's extremes, but how extreme does sentiment needs to get to suggest a turning point? Well, one thing I always tell people is sentiment is a condition. It's not necessarily uh, a trigger. And in dark bear markets, market sentiment can stay low for a longer period of time. And the opposite, it also can stay elevated for an you know an extended period of time in a bull market. So you can get to these extremes. And my favorite I use, and we, we have charts on our site of uh, the daily sentiment index. And basically you can see when it, when something gets to 90% bulls, that's an extreme level. And it's not necessarily where you want to just say, oh, I'm going to short the market, but you wait for some sort of trigger reversal, and then you actually follow it down. Now, Daily Sentiment Index, um, created by Jake Bernstein, he pulls um, average traders. Not, not you know, he's not calling Paul Tudor Jones and saying, "Are you bullish or bearish?" But he's calling just the average person, "Are you bullish or bearish?" on a bunch of different markets, from stocks, bonds, currencies, commodities, and from there he gets percentage of if you're bullish or bearish. Now, the 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 dumb investor, and I, I don't like to call people dumb, but that's what he does is not necessarily always wrong, but I like to see when the, the trend changes. So I run a 20 day moving average of actually the sentiment and the 20 day moving average of the uh, S and P is at 19 right now. And the S and P on the daily sentiment index is at 15. Now it was, it was a little lower and that last spike last week uh, raised it up towards 20. That's a very low level. But what I'd like to see is, the 20 day moving average of bullish sentiment start to decline. And that would tell me that we have the potential for a, a trend change. Now, one thing that I will say, the dollar has been pegged in the extreme zone for a long period of time. And that's above 80%. Now it's at 74% today or yesterday. And the 20-day moving average of the bullish sentiment on the dollar was at 90%. percent. That's the highest I've ever seen it. And it's starting to float down a little. It's at 86%. So it's, I, I'm, I'm thinking that the dollar has some potential to turn lower. And that's 
you know, it's, it's, it's something I'm, I'm watching. I'm positioned, I'm long Euro, I'm long uh, Sterling. But the other one that everybody can look at, and I think it's really a good one, and it's the CNN Fear and Greed Index, because everybody can tell you, oh, I'm, I'm bullish or bearish, uh, but it's actually, they compile this from what actual traders are doing. And they have seven different inputs. And I look at this every day. I think it's a good one, especially real-time intraday. It hit 8% yesterday at the lows, and it closed at 11%. That's that's very low for this as well. I don't look at the AAII uh, sentiment poll, uh, partly because they ask traders, they pull traders and say, are you bullish, bearish, or neutral? I think neutral's a, a way of people avoiding the answer or making a call. And so I don't really like that poll. A lot of people look at it. Uh, that one, and I just don't find it as useful. I mean, it went very bearish very early this year, and it just hasn't been, it, again, it just it's not useful for me. I like Ned Davis's work, um, one of my heroes, and the, those guys do excellent work. The Ned Davis crowd sentiment poll, which is one of the older ones, compiles the investor's intelligence, the daily sentiment index, some other things. And I actually was out with, um, this years ago, with one of the portfolio, no, the um, analysts at Ned Davis. And I'm like, come on, you got to tell me, you know, what's the secret sauce? And he basically said the daily sentiment index is their favorite. And it's a daily poll. It works. Um, I try to smooth it with a 20-day moving average. It works. Works pretty well. Um, but sentiment right now, you can you can also look, I always tell people, look at the Drudge Report. The Drudge Report is is incredible. They find things when when that when things go on that, you know that you're you're that that's where the the, the noise is. Uh the crowd is going towards that. So that's something just, you know, a, a little anecdotal thing. Well, it's a good thing that you have an advisor. I, I'm a big fan of people that uh, have advisors, uh, partly because it protects you from doing dumb things. You know, a lot of times in the capitulation time is when people will just puke their things and they're not thinking rationally. And an advisor will help you balance your portfolio based on your time frames and risk tolerances. So I think that's, you know, one of the main things that, that I, I stress. Uh Eh, it's a hard thing to say, you know, do you want to, you know, bail out of things and rebalance? I think you should always be thinking of rebalancing uh, and not doing necessarily big grand changes. But it, at times like this, I think it's important to, to say, I want good, high quality in my portfolio. You, you want to own what will be fine. Amazon's not going down 93% like they did when they in, in 2000. Uh, that's that's for sure. Uh, it's just you know a great company. Uh, they're they're going through a difficult time, you know, with a lot of different um, problems with with inflation, with uh, the consumer potentially slowing here. But you've got a pretty good price at these levels here. And what makes them money is Amazon Web Services, and I I do believe that that will be a sustainable business that will continue to do well. Uh, but right now, I, I think we're still early on with a, a, the bear market. But I would always be 
upgrading to higher quality. And the other thing is, and Michael will probably appreciate this, you actually, in fixed income land, you can actually find uh, things with a yield now. Bond investors, it, it was the joke a couple of years ago, they were, they were buying bonds for the capital appreciation and they were, you know, investors were buying stocks for the yield. And there's a lot of good yielding equities out there as well. So I think that, especially with things that have, have moved down. So I think that there's always, you should always be rethinking, rebalancing your portfolio, but always with, you know, top-notch good quality. You know, there, the um, I look at all the factor analysis through Goldman and it's, it's absolutely been one of the more difficult places uh, to, to look for. I mean, the, S&P growth is down year to date 26%. The Russell value is down 13%. I mean there's nothing up. So that's the you know the, the S&P value is down 8%. That has a lot of energy in in there as well. Year over year over year I have mine um, up 2. 2.3%. So there's a winner there. I mean leveraged beta basket is down 12.5% but only down 6% year over year. So it's, look, I think high quality, just going back to high quality, the high quality baskets are, are flat year over year. And that's uh, my factors. So I think that, again, high quality uh, is always going to be something you can sleep at night with. You know, you could still have some downside, but you're going to most likely get stocks that have, you know, dividends and, um, as the markets start to recover and, and, you know, life gets a little bit better economically, you can then rebalance into perhaps some more aggressive things. But right now I think it's, I, I think it's important, uh, Jeremy, just like you said, quarterly rebalancing, it, it doesn't have to be every exact, you know, April 1st or, you know, January 1st, you, you do it. You can go in between the quarters and, and start to look at, you know, the longer term picture and, and what's working where things are starting to improve month over month. Uh, I look at, I, that's one thing I do a lot. I look at, you know, I short term, I look at five day rolling and I also look at the one month rolling on all my indices and all my factors. Uh, and you want to start to see that improve. That's something that, um, I, I think is, is really important. Uh, that's where I see things moving. And you probably look at things, Jeremy, a little longer term, but those are my, I always look at one month because that's, that's, a, that's an important uh, rate of change for me. Well, it's funny you say uh, biotech because I started buying biotech uh, in the last couple of weeks, actually the last 10 days. I started, I started buying IBB and XBI. This is actually a, a, one of the earlier sectors that started to fall apart and continue to fall apart. It actually was up in the last, it's been up, uh, it was up on Friday, uh, half, half of a percent, and it was up on the last five uh, rolling days. And I think you're probably going to start to see it up, it's down 8% for the last rolling month, but it's off its highs or lows. And we have DeMarc uh, buy. Uh, countdowns on the absolute dead la dead low, and it, it you know the thing that I, I I did read 
you know, the, you know, there's a majority of biotech companies that are trading under cash and that, well, right there, that sort of sparks my interest right there. But it, it's, this is, if you want high tech, I think biotech is high tech uh, and something that has been out of favor and could come back and, and improve. So I would allocate some towards biotech, the IBB and XBI. And these are, these have been, I'm looking at, uh, I'm going to give you the percentage on IBB is down 34% since last September. So that's, that to me is okay. Let's, that's a index down that much. That's pretty substantial. And, there is growth in biotech. And so that's something I'm looking at. Uh, as far as the EV sector, you know, the problem I have, I mean, first of all, I'm not a, a fan of, of Tesla. I think Tesla's um, still one of the best shorts in the market. It's not easy. Don't put too much into it and be nimble on this. But there's a lot, it's a Wild West type market. And you still have, you know, I, I've seen the Lucid, I saw one drive around the other day i saw rivian drive drive just as i was walking to my office today um yeah they're they're great there's a lot of potential there but i i still think it's the wild west and and remember back in the day when the internet stocks in the late 90s uh ran up uh to just unbelievable multiples and many of them didn't make money and many of them didn't succeed this is a worse period for speculation because the the market caps of some of these stocks that are you know that have gone down substantially are still at levels that don't make any sense to me and look i i'm a big i'm a big car fan and i love the whole idea of evs and you know i think that i was looking at um what is lucid right now lucid uh lucid's market cap is 30 billion and you know, I think Ford and GM are 50 billion. And I just think that it's still, these are companies that are still way, way, you know, underwater. They don't make money. They barely can get their cars out. There's a supply chain shortage. Uh, it's just, it's not my, it's not my thought that it's, it's still, a, it's a good place to be at these levels. I, I think this whole group can go, can go lower. Um, and the same way, like I said, Amazon went down 93% from its high after going up 6,300%. Sounds a little like Tesla. Uh, and Tesla still has a $650 billion market cap, which is, I think it's still, I mean, again, Ford and GM, $100 billion market cap together. There's, there's great technology out there. There's a lot of new competition coming on. I think it's you just have to see where things play out i mean rivian is a 26 billion dollar market cap that just makes no sense to me and they're not they're losing 24 dollars a share and it's 28 dollar stock so i just think that it's it's still the wild west in this group and there's probably better places to go and let's turn that into question for tommy so so tommy given that that sort of backdrop and i've seen that too how would you yourself screen for some of those you know, sort of the hidden gems that are not often in the media or often referenced from a stock picking perspective. Right. Thanks. What, what would be your approach, Tom? Well, thanks. That's a good, you made some very good points and I agree. 
um, the, the, on everything you said as far as the bottom uh, will probably not happen for a while. And uh, that's, that's very, that's, that's, you know, I agree a hundred percent on what you're saying. I, I know Amazon is not cheap. It's never been cheap, but it's what people are going to buy. And it's the, yeah, I told, listen, I told, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, the, the, the point is I'm a trader. I'm looking for, if you're going to get a, if you're long the queues, you better be long Amazon. And I can, because Amazon's going up more than, you know, it's a, it's a top five market weight. And that's what, how I'm looking at it. Um, I know it's not, I'm not necessarily looking for value. Yeah. But, but, but I don't want to get too down the rabbit hole on this, but I think, yeah. and Tommy, Tommy, you can speak to this. I think it's ultimately about time frame, right? So maybe let's, let's pivot that for the remaining five minutes or so as we wrap this up. So right. Talk about the different okay. timeframes with which you analyze individual stocks and how you merge that with sort of a macro uh, mindset. Because I think you can be both bullish and bearish at the same time. It just depends on how Correct. long you're Correct. looking at. Right? That's so, true. That's true. But yeah, I mean, look, you have I, – I, I, don't, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I totally get it. I, I'm just looking for the – especially in this passive trade, you know, passive market that we have. They're going to, people are, and you're right. Everybody knows, and they're waiting for a bounce, and everybody's expecting that. And it's when they don't, and everybody hates it. They hates the market. Don't get me involved in the market. I'm firing my broker, blah, blah, blah. That's the bottom. But if the market's going to bounce, it's going to bounce with the top five names doing the work again. And they, yep. So I'll, I'll be fine. And, and this would be a completely different conversation of six months ago when Amazon was at 3,500 because that, you know, that made absolutely no sense to me. And I remember being on some, I think it was a spaces and someone was saying, you know, do you like Amazon or Shopify? And I said, I think both of them are going to get crushed. And it just was mm-hmm. like, you know, they were like quiet, you know, uh, but at these levels, you know, things can, it's a lot easier for them to bounce at the, at, at these levels. Yeah. Right. Um, my my view is that I try to trade for, you know, weeks. Um, sometimes it's it's a little shorter term if I get if I get lucky on something, but I, I trade I trade for weeks. And oh, just w- one thing, just as a uh, I've I've done a lot of custom indexes, and I have one called the MAGA index. It's Microsoft, Apple, Google, and Amazon, and this topped on. Uh, the nineteenth of November last year had a Demarc combo at the at that level, and it's down thirty five percent from that that high. That's a pretty deep pullback for these pretty substantial companies. In two thousand twenty, the, the quality these types of names also pulled back about thirty five percent. So this is a pretty deep. Pull back and everybody can say, well, the S and P is only down twenty percent. It's a bear market. You know, I, sometimes when you hear that, you know, the, you get the red Bloomberg headline says, you know, the S and P enters a bear market. That's almost like a buy, in my opinion, because now it's like, oh, great. Actually, a good good question. I, I trade uh, put spreads a lot, and that's I recommend put spreads as a, a smart way to hedge or for a directional bet. Uh, you know, this is a market that we've seen these bounces and they've been somewhere around 
two weeks that 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 move and um so i i've been trading i just i had the last put spread i did on the cues i was on bloomberg and i talked about it usually when i go on bloomberg i have something that completely fails but this one worked uh for the cues i usually go one month out that's it i don't i don't like to go two months out i, I feel like i'm paying too much in premium so i'll go one month out i try to look at the first strike um say maybe two two to three percent lower and then um you know i I, then i look for some sort of there's a if there's a moving average or some other support level below but i try to get three to four x on the put spread at the from the lower strike and that's that's generally how i look at it and i never well i shouldn't say never but i rarely will hold a put spread through the lower strike it's happened and do you know that's great but i usually will tell people take some off as you go and i'm not you know don't i never get greedy on on any type of option trade at all i monetize 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 because especially in this type of market you could have a, a like you saw friday i had some options i had puts on for next week on the s p and and uh, Nasdaq, and those just basically evaporated um, with the last last hour's action. So monetize the put spreads. I like one month out, especially in this type of environment. Uh, you certainly can. Um, you'll know if you're right, and you'll know if you're wrong um, pretty pretty quickly. But you don't need to go two months out. I think that's just that's too far. I mean, if that's your, you know, it makes you more comfortable, then then that's fine. But I've just found one month to be acceptable. I think that's a uh, good place to wrap up. Again, everybody here, make sure you follow Tom, Tommy Thornton. Make sure you also follow uh, Jeremy Schwartz. Do a number of spaces with him and his team. Uh, I am going to have this again as an edited YouTube video, probably in a couple of weeks here. Tommy, I always appreciate your knowledge, your time, and uh, everybody enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Tommy. The content in this program is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any information or other material as investment, financial, tax, or other advice. The views expressed by the participants are solely their own. A participant may have taken or recommended any investment position discussed, but may close such position or alter its recommendation at any time without notice. Nothing contained in this program constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in any jurisdiction. Please consult your own investment or financial advisor for advice related to all investment decisions. Don't forget to follow at Lead Lag Report on X, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube, and check out the Lead Lag Report at www.leadlagreport.com. Use promo code PODCAST30 for two weeks free and 30% off to get access to award-winning research and anticipate stock market crashes, corrections, and bear markets.